Father, if we didn't have a need, Jesus Christ wouldn't have come. But because we were in great distress, the Bible says that we were helpless, that we were sinners, that we were enemies against God. And because of that, at just the right time, when the fullness of time came, you sent forth your Son to take our sins upon himself, to die in our place, that we might have life. Father, there are people all around this community who do not know you as Lord and Savior, who do not have a relationship with you. You have called us to be your witnesses. You have given to us your commission to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And it starts right here in our Jerusalem. Father, I pray that you would, over these next months, that you would lay upon each one of our hearts a burden to see this city come to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would lay on the hearts of many people to get involved in starting a, a church work on the, on the south side of this town, that we could have another outpost of the gospel to reach this community for Christ. I pray, Father, that uh, for each one who's praying for that one person that God, that you've laid on their heart, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray for our, pray for Elko emphasis, that you would use that as a catalyst to, to stir up spiritual hunger in the lives of people all throughout this community, that they could come to know you again as Lord and Savior. Then we pray for all of the, the Easter events and the outreach of this church and every church in this community. That through it, Jesus Christ would be lifted up and exalted. That he would be one day be proclaimed as Lord of Elko and Spring Creek. That every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's our prayer. That's our desire. We know that's your will. You're not willing for any to perish. And so we pray according to your will that people might come to know you. Thank you for what you're going to do. And we look with great anticipation to these days ahead to see you working and moving among us. As you work, may we catch that, see it, and join you in what you're doing. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in a kind of a series on experiencing God. And I'm really sharing with you material that comes right out of a, a, a book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God, um, Knowing and Doing the Will of God, because that was such a vital study when it first came out uh, 30 years ago that you need to know the material that's there. And so that's kind of what we're working through. Last week, we talked about the love of God. And I hope that through that sermon, and by the way, if you didn't catch it, go on uh, uh YouTube, look over Calvary Baptist Church, and you can find last week's sermon and listen to that to that sermon because I hope it helped you to grasp how incredible God's love is for you. Folks, God is madly in love with you. And because he's madly in love with you, God wants you involved in his work. Uh, he wants you to, to, to be involved in his work. Let me remind you of the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in John 5 and verse 17. He says, my father is always working and so am I. And then you skip down to verse 19 and it says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. 
Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. Now, because God loves us, God wants us involved in his work in this world. Uh, That's a part of his design for us. And he's going to show us where he's working so that we can join him. In fact, as you look here in in John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, the key thought here is, is that we are to watch to see where God's working. I mean, Jesus watched. He says, I watched and I saw what God was doing. And when he saw what God was doing, he perceived that to be the invitation for him to get involved in, in doing what the Father was doing. So for Jesus, that very revelation that the Father was working was his invitation to join him in, the, in that work. And so when you and I see God the Father working in our community, that becomes his invitation for us to join him in what he's doing. Um, but here's the problem. God can be working and we don't see it. Or God can be speaking and we don't hear it. That's a problem that, that, that we have. Over in um, the Old Testament, here's a story of the prophet Elisha. Prophet Elisha and his servant are in a small village called Dothan. And the enemy army has surrounded Dothan because they're after Elisha to capture him, to put him to death. Well, Elisha's servant is trembling with fear. And Elisha's just kind of cool and collected, okay? Listen to what the second uh, kings verse 6 uh, chapter 6 verse 17 says then elisha prayed o lord open his eyes and let him see the lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up he saw the hillside around elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire god's forces were on the scene and were protecting elisha You see, if we're going to recognize God's voice, if we're going to recognize God when he's working around us, it's going to take two things. There are two two thoughts that need to happen. First of all, we've got to be living in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're far away from God, don't expect to hear him, okay? Don't expect to see him working because you're, you're not in connection with him. You don't have that relationship going on with him. But secondly... God has to take the initiative to open your eyes to see him at work. And if he doesn't reveal himself to you, you're not going to see where he's working. But when God reveals to you, hey, I'm working right here, that becomes your invitation to join him. Now I want to explain, explore that just a little bit further, okay? Through three questions. And the very first question that I want, to, want us to struggle with is how do we know where God is working? How do we know where God is working? Well, the key to answering that question is simply this. There are some things that only God can do. And when we see the things that are happening that only God can do, that's a sure sign that God is at work in that situation. When there's something that's happening around us that only God can do, that's a sign that, that God is at work. So what are the things that only God can do? Well, We've kind of looked at that over the last number of weeks. One of them is that God draws people to himself. 
Nobody seeks after God. Only God can draw them to himself. So that's one way in which God works. Um, God causes people to seek after him. Uh, God reveals spiritual truth. Uh, The Bible says that God convicts the world of sin. God convicts the world of righteousness. God convicts the world of judgment to come. So those are things that only God can do. So when you see any one of those things happening... You know that God is at work in that situation. You can be assured that God is at work when you see somebody who's asking about spiritual matters. He's starting talking about, well, tell me about Christianity. Uh, how does this work? How does that work? That's a sign that God is working in his life. When, when somebody is, is um, expressing conviction over sin, I really blow it. I, I, I've messed up. That's a sense that God is working in their life. When, when they're concerned about the coming judgment, God is at work in their life. Now, what might that look like? And, and how might we respond if we see that happening? Uh, let's say that today, because of this message, that you decide, I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, God, use me to make a difference at work this week. You pray that prayer. Then what you need to do is you need to watch to see what's going to happen next. Uh, You watch to see what are people going to say. Because you've prayed the prayer and said, God, use me to make a difference at work. So you watch to see what God is doing. So let's say that tomorrow you go to work and one of your uh, co-workers comes up and says, Man, my life is a mess. I mean... My family, we're struggling financially. It looks like we're going to go under. And my teenage son, he is acting out big time. And I don't know what to do. You make the connection. You had prayed, God, use me to make a difference at work. And you make the connection between your prayer and what happens next. So you you make the connection by asking questions. Well, you, you say... Well, how could I pray for you? Could I pray for you about what's going on in your life? Um, do you want to talk about it? Well, what, what do you find to be the most challenging thing in your situation? Uh, could I share with you how I had a situation like that? And here's what Jesus Christ did for me. You make the connection between what you prayed, what they said, and what God would have you do because God is at work in there. <clears throat> so well, let's say your, your co-worker responds to your question by saying, well, you know, um, yeah, you can pray for me, but I, I really don't have a relationship with God. I really never thought much about him. But gosh, if he could help me in this situation, that'd be cool because I don't know what else to do. Or, or maybe they say, well, you know, I used to go to Sunday school when I was a kid. Parents took me all the time, but I sort of kind of got away from that. But maybe that's what I need in my life. You see the open door there? That's God at work in their life. Uh, And he may very well be drawing that person to himself. And he's choosing to use you to make a difference in their life. So when you want to know what God is doing around you, you need to pray and say, God, use me. And then you need to... Pay attention. What's going to happen next? You need to make that connection. Find out what God is doing by asking questions. And then listening. 
and and make be ready to to make whatever adjustments that you need to make in your life to join God in what he's doing. A number of years ago, we had a gentleman show up here at church on a Sunday evening. He came into the, the lobby here. And there were two of our members that just happened to be here for something. And they were out there. And this gentleman came in and he said, my life's pretty much a mess. And my mom said, you need to get into church. And he says, I, I guess I kind of need to do that. And, and, but I'm a mess. I don't, I don't know what to do. Our two church members, they could have very easily said, well, hey, come next Sunday. That'll be okay. You can just come and hear the preacher and that'll be super duper. But they stopped what they were doing and they began talking with him and they led him to faith in Jesus Christ. And it changed his life radically. And he was a faithful attender in this church until he moved in the last six months out of state. See, that's God at work. Only God can do that. But here were two of our church members who said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, dismiss this I'm going to make whatever adjustment I'm going to miss the meeting or whatever I'm here for because this is more important this is God at work that's what I'm talking about (laughs) so a second question then is this how do we know when God speaks how do we know when God speaks I mean if we're going to discover and know God's will one of the critical points is to clearly know when God is speaking Henry Blackaby says this, If the Christian does not know when God is speaking, he is in trouble at the heart of his Christian life. Let me repeat that. If the Christian does not know when God is speaking, he is in trouble at the heart of his Christian life. So how does God speak? How do do we know when God is speaking? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So think about all the ways in the Old Testament that God spoke. Uh, And there were a number of ways there. Let me just mention a few of them. God spoke through angels. Uh, God spoke through visions and dreams. He spoke through something called the Urim and the the Thummim. And that was kind of a a spiritual dice that they kind of used to to give answers to questions. It was divinely guided. Uh, Symbolic action was another way in which God spoke. Uh, Miraculous signs were there as well. God spoke to the prophet Elijah through a whisper. And so there were a variety of different ways that God spoke to people in that day and time. But here's the key. It wasn't how God spoke that was important. It was the fact that God spoke was absolutely essential. Um, and, and as you read the stories in the Old Testament of God's activity in the Old Testament, there are four important factors that stand out when God spoke to, to his people. First of all, when God spoke, it usually was very unique to that person that he was speaking to. Folks, there's only one burning bush experience. That was unique to Moses. That was Moses' experience. Uh, Gideon... God spoke to Gideon through a, a dew on a fleece, on a piece of fleece. That was unique to Gideon. Uh, and again, it, it's, it, it's not critical how God spoke to them, 
But what is critical is that he did speak to them. That's the key thing. So when God spoke, it was usually kind of unique to the person that he was talking to. Second thing, when God spoke, that person was sure that it was God speaking. I mean, for Moses, for Gideon, for Joshua, for Jehoshaphat, there was never a question that this was God speaking to me. Um, They knew it was God speaking to them. In fact, Gideon, after his encounter with God, made this exclamation. He says, I am doomed, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He knew it was God that had spoken to him. A third factor is that when God spoke, the person knew what God was saying. I mean, when God spoke to Moses, Moses knew exactly what God wanted to do. That's why he raised so many objections. Because he knew what God wanted him to do, and he he was not really excited about doing that. And then fourth, when God spoke, it was an encounter with God. See, when God reveals truth to you, regardless of the method that he might use to speak to you, that's an encounter with God. Folks, if God speaks to you this morning in this service, say through this message, you can be assured when you leave here that you have had an encounter with God. Because when God speaks, it is an encounter with God. I think that sometimes we sell God short, and and for that matter, we sell ourselves short when um, we think about that maybe the only way that God really reveals his will to us is what you would call the open door, closed door approach to knowing God's will. You know, the idea that, God, I really want to know and I really want to do your will. And and so, uh, you know, uh, here we go. I'm going to stop me if I'm wrong and bless me if I'm right. Or, or the idea of that, I'm just going to kind of go down this path, God. And if I'm headed in the wrong direction, close the door. Folks, that is an unscriptural approach to knowing God's will. This idea that God's going to open doors and God's going to close doors. That's really, uh, you're being guided by your experience. My, my, your experiences and you're creating problems in seeking God's will for your life because you're putting the entire burden on God and you're not doing the due diligence of yourself to seek God and prepare your heart for what God wants to do in your life. If you want to know the will of God for your life, you've got to give the time and you've got to get the effort to cultivate that love relationship with God. And you can be assured then that God will give you clear directions and he will give you specific directions. And, and if you don't have clear directions from God on a matter, then you need to wait on God. You need to pray. You need to learn patience. You need to depend on God's timing because God's timing is always right and it's always best. Uh, and so don't get in a hurry. I mean, God may be withholding guidance from you because he wants you to seek him more intensely. Uh, so don't try to skip the relationship with God part. And get to the doing for God. Because God is really more concerned about your relationship than he is about what you're going to do for him, okay? So a third question. Then how does God speak to us? Uh, Again, back in Hebrews chapter um, 1 and beginning at verse 1. Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, this is the first part of verse 2. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Uh, The writer tells us that in the days of Jesus' life here on this earth, the Gospels, 
God spoke primarily through his son. We, we looked at how he spoke in the Old Testament, through angels, through visions, dreams, and so forth. In the gospel time, he spoke through Jesus Christ. But beginning with the book of Acts, during the, age, the, the starting of the church, God's mode of communication stopped. And he began speaking through the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 52 times in the book of Acts alone. And here's the key thing. God continues to communicate with us through the Holy Spirit. That's his chief way to speak to us is through the Holy Spirit. Now remember, every one of us as a believer in Jesus Christ is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians six 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And so it's through the Holy Spirit that God speaks to us. Uh, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And then in, in John 16, verse 13 and 14, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into truth. Who teaches us the truth. (coughs) Excuse me. We understand spiritual truth because the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Um, The Holy Spirit... Uh, illumines us. It takes the Word of God and it makes it come alive in our life. We often talk about the fact that the ultimate author of the Word of God is the Holy Spirit. We, we call it the inspiration. The Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God. But here's the key thing. Isn't it neat that the author of Scripture, the Holy Spirit, is the one who also illumines us, explains the Scripture to us, You're sitting down with the author of the book and he's explaining it to you. That's a a beautiful picture. So the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the truth of Scripture and how it applies to our life and how we can can, uh, live it out in in day-to-day living in our lives. Now, when you talk about how God speaks to us, he speaks to us, of course, by the Holy Spirit. But there are four primary ways that, that he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. One is, of course, what we've just mentioned through the Bible. God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through the Bible. So when you and I spend time in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and he reveals truth to us. And so it's throughout Scripture that that God really reveals himself, reveals his purposes, reveals his ways. Uh, That is, When you and I read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God, and it reveals God to us. He reveals himself to us. That is, we learn about uh, his names. We learn about his characteristics. We learn about his nature. But not only that, he also reveals to us God's purposes. That is, uh, his plans, what he's up to, what he's doing, what he's going to do. He reveals to us what he wants to do through us as individuals and, and through his body, the church. And finally, he reveals his ways. That is, the ways and methods that he uses to accomplish his, his plans, his purposes. So again, it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who takes the word of God and reveals truth to us. Uh, 
And then we, in turn, are to adjust our lives to that truth so that we can obey God. We can be obedient to Him. And and God can work through us to accomplish His purposes. Now, let me give you a word of warning. You're looking for God's will in your life. Always, always, always base your understanding of God's will on Scripture. Do not rely on your feelings, your some kind of premonition, some kind of gut feeling. Well, this must, don't ever do that. Make sure it always aligns with Scripture. I mean, how many stories are we going to have to hear in the news of somebody who said, God told me to drown my babies in a bathtub? Uh, You laugh at that, but that happened in Houston a number of years ago. Does, Does that align with Scripture? What does Scripture says? Thou shalt not kill. Life is precious. So make sure that if you have a, I got a gut feeling this is what God wants me to do. Make sure it aligns with Scripture. Make it to be there. You know, always base your understanding of God's will on Scripture. <coughs> and not on some perception or feeling that you have. Folks, I wish that every one of us, when we came to God's word, we would be excited about what God was going to reveal to us. We would have just an anticipation. God's going to speak to me as I, as I take this, this book into my hand and as I begin to read it. I mean, think about it. Here's the Holy Spirit who's in me, working through me to help me to understand Scripture. And the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And he knows what God is ready to do in my life and, he, and, and what he's ready to do in your life. And so the Spirit of God begins to open our understanding about God and His purposes and and His ways. Folks, we ought to take this very seriously. Is God going to speak to us? Let me just suggest to you, when you go to the Bible, set out some time, 15, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever time you've got, but write down the verse or the verses. Write them in a notebook, write them in a journal or whatever, and then take a moment to meditate on that verse. And, and the word meditate is a word that means to mull over, to look at something in great detail. In fact, the Hebrew word for meditate comes from agronomy. It's the word that's used to digest the cud, to chew the cud. You know how a cow will eat and he'll swallow that into one of his many stomachs. And then when he, he, he gets through eating, when he's at rest, he brings that back up and he chews it some more to get every ounce of nutrition out of it. That's what the word meditate means. To spend enough time in a verse of scripture to get every nugget of truth out of it. Going over it and over it. So you should study it, trying to immerse yourself in the meaning of the verse or the passage. Ask yourself, what is God revealing about himself in this verse? What is the truth that's in this verse that I ought to apply to my life? And then you need to identify are there some adjustments in my life that I need to make because of what I've just read here? Um, maybe you need to write a prayer of response to say, God, in light of what I've just read, and then you, you, you just talk to God about it. Make the necessary judgments, adjustments and then watch to see how God uses that verse in your life throughout the rest of that day. You're going to be surprised at how God was going to use Scripture to show you His will in your life. 
But a companion to that, and the, and the second thought is that God speaks to us through, by his Holy Spirit through prayer. And, and prayer and, and reading the Bible kind of go hand in, in glove to each other, okay? Uh, together they form a two-way fellowship and, and conversation uh, that you and I have with God. You speak to God and he speaks to you. Um, for most of us, our prayers tend to be a little one way, don't they? It's us telling God what we want him to do, right? But real prayer is more than that. It's praying, but it's also listening, listening to God. In fact, what God says in prayer is more important than what you say to God in prayer. Because uh, remember, prayer is a relationship. It, it's designed more to adjust you and me to God than to adjust God to me or to us. So the Holy Spirit takes the truth of the Word of God, and through our prayers, He begins to apply it in our lives and, and moves us to adjust our lives to what God desires. And so as you pray, you agree with God what God has said in Scripture. You agree with that. Maybe you say, yes, Lord, um, I've just read in your word this morning that I need to be as forgiving toward others as you are forgiving toward me. So, Father, give me a spirit of forgiveness toward so-and-so. Or, Lord, you spoke through in your word to me today about the need for purity in my life. And I ask you right now to purify my thoughts Purify my heart, purify my intentions, and so forth. See, that's how God speaks to you through prayer. Takes the word of God and brings it into your heart, and you talk with him about what you've read. That's a way in which you can know God's will. Third way that we know God's will through the Holy Spirit is in our circumstances. Circumstances. God is going to use circumstances to reveal to you what you're to be doing. You wonder, why does this person just keep showing up in my life? Could it be that God has something that you're supposed to be doing to help that person, to share Jesus Christ with that person? God draws people to you with spiritual questions. My wife used to say, I must have a sign on my forehead that says pastor's wife because everybody comes and dumps on her and, and wants her to, you know, the advice and all that kind of thing. Well... Maybe that's God's will. Who knows? Sometimes though, folks, and you know this, that circumstances are not what we want them to be. Sometimes they're just bad circumstances that happen. And when those kinds of circumstances happen, we tend to question, what's going on here? How could this be a part of God's will for my life? When you find yourself in bad circumstances, what you need to know, you need God's perspective on what happens. When, when you face those difficulties, those confusing circumstances, folks, those things can overwhelm you. And if you put yourself in the middle of your circumstances and you try to look at God, you're always going to have a misunderstanding of God. You're, you're going to think, well, God's mad at me, or God doesn't love me, or God isn't being fair to me. Folks, you know those statements are a lie. They're false statements about God. Instead, you need to ask God to give you his perspective on your circumstances. Look at, this, at your circumstances from the heart of God. And when you do, 
The Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and He will help you to understand your circumstances from God's perspective. And He will reveal the truth of what's going on around you. I mean, sometimes God uses our circumstances to grow our faith. Sometimes God uses our circumstances to grow other people's faith. And sometimes God uses our circumstances just to get glory to Himself, to show that He and He alone is the Lord of this universe. So let me summarize real quick. When you're facing bad circumstances, first of all, you need to settle in your mind that God has forever demonstrated his love for you through the cross. And that love will never change. And then second, don't try to understand what God is like from the middle of your circumstances. Instead, go to God and ask him to give you his perspective on on your situation. And then another point, wait on the Holy Spirit because he may take the word of God and he may then give you some understanding into the circumstances that you're going through. And then you need to adjust your life to what God is teaching you in your circumstances and then do whatever he tells you to do. Be obedient to him. And then you're going to experience God working in your life and in and through you to accomplish his purpose in everything that you're doing. The last thing I want to mention is that God reveals his will to us, speaks to us through the church. See, God speaks to other believers in the body of Christ. And so whenever you're seeking God's will in a situation, find a godly person, a godly Christian, and bring them into the conversation. Get wisdom from them. See, what God is doing in our life is going to call... Uh, is going to coincide with what God is doing in the church. And so the truth is that apart from the body of Christ, the church, you cannot fully know God's will for your life because God reveals his will to the church as a whole. You know, I need to learn to depend on other believers for their help to know what God's doing in my life. And, And that's an important part of it. That's why being in a small group... Why being in a disciple group is so vitally important. Because, folks, there is no place in knowing and doing the will of God for a Lone Ranger Christian. God is going to use other believers to help you determine what God's will is for my life. You're going to discover what God's will is. And you're going to be able to live it out and carry it out far more easily in the context of other believers than if you try to do it on your own. Because, folks, we really are better together. We, we really are. Because, you know, that's why the Bible is always calling us to live in harmony with one another. I like that term. It doesn't mean you all are on the same note. We don't always have to agree, but we need to live in harmony. Look at Philippians 2, verse, uh, beginning at verse 2. <clears throat> Paul writes, and he says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Paul simply says that we do need each other. And and you know what? If you're trying to be a Lone Ranger Christian and just kind of make it on your own, you don't need anybody else. You don't need the church. You, you're just going to do it yourself. I feel sorry for you. Because that's not God's design. 
God placed Christians in a family. You need other people in your life. Let me just close by challenging you. If you're not a part of a church family, whether it's here or whether it's someplace else, let me just let you know you're not in God's will. God's desire is that we be in a family. This family, another church family, it's wherever God leads you. But don't try to live your Christian life on your own. You need a family. Uh, I would love to have an opportunity just to talk with you about, here's why being a part of a church is important. Here's how we can get you involved in church. If you want to take that connection card, just write on it. Just say church family or member or, or whatever. I'll give you a call and we'll talk about what it means to be a part of a church family. We'll get you signed up for the next Discovering Calvary class or whatever it takes. Because you need a family. Don't try to make it in this life by yourself. That's a losing proposition. You need other people in your life. So God wants to use you. Pay attention how he's working around you. Pray for him to use you and then watch what happens next. You're going to be amazed at what God will do through your life. If you'll just simply say, use me. Use me. Let me, let, us, let me lead us in prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you do have a perfect will for each and every one of our lives. A will that is unique to each one of us. Thank you that you do speak to us. Teach us to be alert to your work around us. Teach us how to learn to hear you when you speak. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who takes the word of God and makes it ring true in our hearts. Guide us to be used of you in whatever you want to do. In your name we pray. Amen.